Okay, so today we're going to uh, learn about one of the most fascinating stories in the Torah and try to understand what the story is in the first place and what it has to do with us. Everything in the Torah, the Zohar says the word Torah means lesson, instruction. And the question is, there's a fascinating story in the Torah this week and it doesn't seem to have any importance in... Like Hashem made this huge miracle, and it doesn't seem like it had any purpose. What I'm talking about is, this week we read about Bilam, which by the way, Bilam is, a, uh, is one of the only Torah portions which tells you who the author of the Torah is. Meaning, other t- part, parts of the Torah, you could say that Moses wrote everything down based upon his experience. But this Torah portion, the only one who could write this Torah portion is God. This Torah portion talks about how God spoke to Bilam, in the middle of, middle of the, uh, not near the Jewish people, far off. He was, there was no, he was alone there, just with the other king, Balak, and he told, God told Bilam what to say, and he spoke to these few people there. How do we know that story? The only reason we know that story is because God revealed this in the Torah. So, there's a fascinating account, the Torah says, on the way to this, uh, this event where Bilam is trying to curse the Jewish people and instead God fills his mouth with the greatest blessings in fact such great blessings that we repeat some of those blessings in our prayers every day how good are your tents Jacob those are the words of Bilam so on the way to Bilam on the way of Bilam's journey towards Balak God tells Bilam first of all not to go and Bilam says he really wants to go, and the Talmud says, In the path that a person wants to go, God guides a person along that path. Bilam really wanted to go along this path, so God let him go, but God told him, you can go, but I ha- you only could say what I tell you to say. And instead of cursing the Jewish people as, as he wanted to, as Balak paid him, Balak said, I'll pay you all this money, just curse the Jewish people. Balak was looking for some kind of uh, unconventional uh, warfare. So he wanted to seek this prophet, which the Torah says, the Talmud says that his, his prophecy was on par with Moses' prophecy. He was equal to Moses in prophecy, the Talmud says. This, this, this Bilam, who was such a low person, God gave him this, this power of prophecy, which is a different discussion, why God gave it to him, but he wanted him to curse the Jewish people. And instead, God forces him to bless the Jewish people. So on the way there, Torah says he's riding on a donkey, right? He's riding on a donkey, and then the Torah says that the donkey goes off the road, and Bill's like, what's this guy doing? What's this donkey doing? And he hits the donkey. And then the donkey goes further, and he smashes Bill's leg against the wall, and he hits him again. Then the donkey crouches, and Bill hits the donkey again. After he hits the donkey three times, the, the donkey starts to speak. The donkey says, hey, Remember me? I'm your donkey. I always do everything that you ask me to do. Has it ever happened before that I didn't listen to you? This is the first time. So you must realize there's something going on over here. And all of a sudden, an angel of God appears. And the reason why the donkey was moving away from the road is because the angel of God stood in front of the donkey and forced the donkey to change paths. And finally, when the angel of God stood right in front of the donkey, there's no place for the donkey to go. So then... So then um, the donkey crouched down. So 
he told Bilam, why are you hitting me? Don't you know that the only reason I'm doing this is, uh, I, I never done this before, and there must be a reason. Why did he do this? So Bilam has nothing to respond. Donkey is right. Donkey is right. And so, so God in, uh, didn't want there to be any evidence to the conversation because it would embarrass Bilam, who claims to be this great prophet and claims, he claims that he has the power to destroy Jewish people just with his words. And now this donkey is smarter than him and this donkey can, can refute him in an argument. So, donkey, so God said that the donkey should be killed and instead Bilam goes on and, but God says you can go on, you can go on to, but only you could say what I'm t- going to tell you to say. So imagine the story never happened. What would have changed? If the angel of God didn't come there and the donkey didn't speak, what would, we have, what would, what would have changed? Imagine if, if the, the, the aliens came to the world and the aliens erased that story from the Torah. Would there be anything missing in our lives without that story in the Torah? The, the angel doesn't come, the donkey doesn't speak. Are we missing anything? Is there something that we don't know because that story isn't there. Did, would Bilam have done anything different? doesn't seem Bilam would have done anything different either. Bilam was planning to go to curse the Jewish people. God forces him to, him to bless the Jewish people. So that story doesn't seem to have any bearing at all in reality, and yet it's the most astonishing miracle ever. The donkey speaks. What's going on? What's the point of this miracle? God doesn't generally do miracles uh, unless, so to speak, he feels, so to speak, that, that's, that there's a real critical need. God loves nature. Even when God does miracles, He always hides the miracle in nature. nature. The famous story in the Talmud, in in Tanakh, about this woman who was very poor, and she needed money, and God told her to take, the prophet of God told her to take the the one jar of oil she had left, and to take this jar of oil, and to pour the oil into uh, all the vessels, all the cups and bowls she could find. And she takes this little cup, and all of a sudden, this, this, this amount of oil that was in the cup, it multiplies hundreds and thousands of times and she's able to fill all these cups and, but after the, the, uh, there are no more cups, there are no more bowls, there are, there are no more nor barrels, then no more oil. That's why, that's why in, uh, in Iran there's a custom to say when, when, when uh, food is finished, never say finished. What do you say when food is finished? It is bracha. It is, why, it's, why say it's bracha? The reason you say it's bracha is because it's a story. Because um, she, when, as soon as they said there was no more bowls, it stopped. Therefore, you don't want to say there's no more. You say it's bracha. There's a bracha. So you don't want to stop it. You don't want to stop the blessing. So you say it's bracha instead of saying there's no more. Right. It's a vessel. It's a vessel through which God sends blessing, no? Anyways. So, first of all, let's understand a little bit more about, about this miracle in the first place. Like, what actually happened? Where did this donkey get its power to speak from? The donkey could speak. Did it really? Did it really happen that way? Was it an image? Was it an imagination? Was Bilms had this dream? What's really going on? So some commentaries say it didn't actually happen. It was just a. It was just a vision. But Rashi clearly says that there was an actual event. The donkey spoke, and the angel of God came. The question is, what's the point? What would have happened if the donkey didn't speak? The angel didn't come. Nothing would change. Bill was planning to go before and continue going afterwards. So it's just an interesting thing on the, on the side. It says in the Talmud that God created several things right before sundown on Friday. Just like every one of us is rushing tomorrow before sundown. It doesn't matter how long the day is. Shabbat's about to start. 7 o'clock in the, in the evening or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. 
Doesn't matter. The last few seconds, you want to catch the last few seconds. You have to, something else you need to do. What do you do? What do you do in those last few seconds? You do. You do the, the important things you didn't have a chance to do yet. Ah, the most important things before turns Shabbat. But God, before it became Shabbat, God also used every single second when He created the world. He used every single moment to to, to create something. And God created a few more things before sundown. God created several things. One of the things, actually last three Torah portions, talk about three things that God created on right before sundown. He created the mouth of the well of Miriam, where the, the rock, that, that the, where the water flew from, came out from. He created the mouth of the earth that swallowed Korach and his people. And he created the mouth of the donkey. Piaton. So what does that mean? How old is this donkey? So some commentaries say, I mean, we're talking about 2,448 years later uh, when, when Bilaam and, and, and uh, uh, meets the angels. It's 2,448 years into creation uh, since the world was made. So how old is a donkey? So some commentaries say it wasn't literally that God created an actual donkey. Some commentaries say that God just created a nature in various things in the world so that when they needed to be changed, they would change. For example, it says that God created the Reed Sea, God created the sea with the condition, I'm going to create you, but when I need you to split, you're going to split. So in a similar way, God created the donkey, the donkey should have another child, another child, but one day when the donkey will need to speak, that will be already inborn in the nature of the donkey, that it's, God already created the world with this, with this design that it needs, when the rules need to be broken, they're going to be broken. Or more accurately, that there's a trap door in the, in the very fabric of, of the nature of the world itself. That's some commentary say. Others say something very interesting. It was a, a, a sculptor named Jacques Lifshitz. Jacques Lifshitz was a famous Israeli sculptor, and uh, he made a sculpture of a phoenix. And after he passed away, his wife and daughter uh, consulted the Rebbe whether or not he should, they should finish, they should commission someone to finish the, the image of the phoenix. Because it doesn't seem to be a Jewish thing, it seems to be some other religion about talking about phoenix. The Rebbe actually said they should finish it because this phoenix has a Jewish source. There is something in the Torah about a phoenix. It doesn't say the word phoenix. The Torah says something similar to the idea of a phoenix. That's in the Midrash that, uh, you know, it says how when Adam, Adam and Eve were born, they were, meant to, they were able to live forever. Why didn't they live forever? Because they ate from the tree of knowledge. So that's why it says when Mashiach will come, we're going to live forever. God will recreate the body from the etzem luz. There's a bone in the back that, that uh, didn't get nourished by the tree of knowledge. Every... Okay, so I'll get to that in a second. Before I get to the phoenix, um, the loose. So it says that. Oh, I didn't know that. A bird rising from its ashes. Exactly. Wow. How in the world do you know that? Very good. Excellent. That's great. I'm getting back to Tofachon a second. Before I do. So it says. What do you recruit him? Use a chabad. Anyway, so it says in the Torah that it says that when Adam and Eve ate from the tree, they had some evil mixed into them, because the tree, eating from the tree of knowledge, it brought something negative into them, and that's why they couldn't live forever, because God didn't want the evil to last forever, because the tree of knowledge caused something negative to. There's a mixture of good and evil, but there's one part of our body that's unaffected by the, that evil. Because that part of the body is only nourished from the food that we eat on Saturday night. On Matzoi, Shabbat, and Lava Malka, that food you eat then is, nourishes that bone with which God will resurrect the dead when Sheikh will come. 
There's one part of the body that's not, that was unaffected by the tree of knowledge. It only could get nourished, not from food, food eating, any time during the week, only on Saturday night. And that's the bone that God will resurrect us Mashiach Hukam. So, in a similar way, it says that when, it says that Eve gave also to her husband the, the tree from the fruit. What does it mean also to her husband? So Talmud says she didn't just give it to her husband, she gave it to every single creature in the world. Every creature in the world also was nourished by the tree of knowledge, and therefore every creature experiences death. There was only one creature that was not nourished by the tree of knowledge, and that was Ofachol, the, the, the bird called the Chol. The Chol bird was not nourished by the tree of knowledge, and therefore it can last, it says in the Talmud, it, 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 uh, it lives for a thousand years. And that's, so ever told that they, they should actually commission someone because it is a Jewish concept, what it actually means I don't know, but that's what the Talmud says, that this bird did not benefit from the tree of knowledge. It wasn't around. So in a similar way, just like the bird didn't eat from the tree of knowledge, also when did God create the donkey? Guys, when did God create the donkey? What did we just say? Right before Shabbat. So after the sin, the sin of the tree of knowledge was at 10 o'clock in the morning. So since the, this donkey wasn't around when the tree of knowledge was distributed, therefore it's able to, therefore it stays alive. In fact, the Talmud says... That explains something else. You now it says in the Torah that Moses put his wife and his children on a donkey. What kind of what kind of business is that? She has to suffer in Egypt already. Imagine one lady with two two children on a donkey. It's 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 it's, it's not so comfortable. Also, a donkey isn't like a donkey isn't the most comfortable way of traveling. Why did Moses put his wife and children on a donkey? You know, there was a king named Ptolemy. Ptolemy was a Greek king who wanted the Torah to be translated into Greek into Greek and. He, he asked, he asked 70 sages to translate the Torah, but he knew they'd all, they, they, they might like conspire together to give him a different version of the original. So he put everybody in a different room. He took away their cell phones. says, guys, let's translate the Torah. <laughs> translate the Torah. And, and what happened was a miracle happened. They, all the sages were given a gift by Hashem to figure out what things to change he would never understand. One of the things they knew he would never understand is how did Moses tell his wife and children to go on a donkey? It doesn't make any sense. But what was the real reason? Why did Moses tell his wife and children to go on this donkey? It says Rashi that Moses told his wife and children to go on the same donkey that Abraham saddled when he took Isaac for, to the altar and the same donkey the Mashiach will ride on. So it wasn't just a donkey, it was the donkey, a child of the donkey that was born right before sundown. So that's that just tells something about the donkey, but it doesn't answer our questions. So what was the point of the story? Why did God cause the donkey's mouth to open? What would happen if the donkey never spoke? What was the point of it? The answer is like this. Two answers. First answer is, but before we get to the answers, I have Sasha's attention, I want to tell you something more important. This, one of the prophecies that Bilaam gave in this Torah portion is that when the Mashiach will come, he will rule over all children of Seth. All children of Shet. All the what? All the children of Shet. The Karkar Kol Bnei Shet. Shet was Ben Chava, right? And he is the the, the father of all of Korea. all of mankind comes from Shet. All of mankind comes from Shet. So Mashiach will rule over all of mankind. Now all of mankind also comes from Noach. All of mankind also comes from Adam. So why does Mashiach, why, is it, why do we say specifically he will rule over all children of Shet? The answer has to do with Eitan. Okay, this morning, Eitan was about to go to pray Shacharit, and he got a phone call from Japan about an order that was supposed to come in, it didn't come in, and it's by the custom, and need Eitan's answer right now, what do you want to do? 
Eitan did not answer the phone. Why not? He didn't do Shacharit yet. Now he'll answer the phone before Shacharit. That's the meaning of the word Shet. Shet means foundation. Shet means foundation. Shet means the basis of the world, what the world rests on. Right now it looks like to everyone that the world is the first reality and Hashem is some distant, farther, non-real thing. Hashem is really in control of every single detail in creation and creates everything, every moment. But to us, it looks like the world exists first and Hashem is something more distant. Mashiach will come and be exactly the opposite. We'll see that the real reality is Hashem and the physical reality will seem to us distant and not real. That's, that's the change that will happen Mashiach will come. So to get ready for Mashiach, the Torah says one thing you need to do is you're not allowed to answer your phone before you pray in the morning. Not allowed to. Before we pray. <coughs> Just like you, you cannot answer your phone for... Oh. I can call you up to David for Shacharit. I can call you and say, Shah. But before you pray, Shacharit. No emails, no WhatsApp, no text, no calls for business. For business. For business. Before, just, like, just like on Shabbat, you're not allowed to answer your phone. Not because Shabbat's more important than business. That's also true. But because you don't believe that working on Shabbat's going to help you because God's in charge. If God says don't work on Shabbat, it can't be working on Shabbat's going to help. In a similar way, you know people that work on Shabbat, you know, oh, I don't work on Shabbat. I don't answer the phone before davening either. Because I'm, I don't need to answer the phone. It's not time for daven. It's not time for it yet. It's not time. I'm doing shacharit. I'm sorry. That's, that means that your foundation of your life, when you have that perspective, it's godly. It's holy. Your foundation of your day has to be that way too. You can't wake up in the morning. You know, if you wake up in the morning, first thing you do is check your cell phone. You're not writing your own life story. You're writing someone else's story. You're checking your phone. What did he say? What did she say? You're living in someone else's world. You're, you're writing someone else's story. To have your own story, to have your own way of thinking, to start off your day with Moda'ani, and talk to God. And that's, and that's the meaning of Mashiach, ruling over all children of Shaykh. Mashiach will change the foundation of the world. He'll show us the real reality. Now, this will help us understand the two questions. Question is, what in the world was the purpose of the donkey speaking? The answer is, two answers, I'm sorry. Not two, not two questions, two answers. Answer number one is like this. God always gives us signs of where we need to go in life. God always gives us signs what we need to do, where we need to go, and how things are supposed to, things are supposed to be. He doesn't leave us alone and, 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 and let us figure stuff out. He gives us signs. So even Bilam, you notice something. The Torah has these different names of God. Throughout the story of Bilam, God is called Elohim. As soon as the angel appears, what's God's name? Yudke Vavke. What's the difference between these two names? There is the way God runs the world with justice. And this is God's mercy. God can't hold himself in anymore. God's mercy overwhelms him, so to speak. And he says, look at my, look at my creation. And maybe it's Billa, maybe he's a lowlife. But it's my creature. And we just said, we said in Mincha, we say the words, Ata shomet filat kol peh. Well, peh could also be read as called feh. <laughs> Some people are feh. But what does it say? God listens to the prayers of everybody. Whether you're a peh, whether you're a feh, God listens to everybody. So even Bilam says the angel of UK Vavka, not the angel of Elohim, God already switched his gears. God sees his child is about to go kill himself. It's, even not, it's, it's not a, anyone special. It's just Bilam, this lowlife, wants to curse the Jewish people. God says, let him go back. Let him, let him stop. So there's a guy here in Los Angeles. I won't say his name, even though it's a, it's a story the family says, but out of respect for the family, I won't say his name. The guy is a Holocaust survivor. And he was in the hospital. And he became very friendly with the nurse in the hospital. And, and he was married. She was married. And they decided they're going to go uh, do something together. 
The Rebbe's secretary calls up the hospital. This guy wasn't a Chabad Chassid, no connection. The Rebbe called up the hospital. The Rebbe's secretary called up. You have to, hey, this is Rabbi Chadakov. The Rebbe says you must leave right now and go home. He says, no, I'm not supposed to be, um, uh, what's the word, not admitted. What's the opposite of admitted? Um, I'm not supposed to be released in the hospital till Tuesday. Discharged till Tuesday. Rebbe Chadakov says, no, don't, no, no business. You got to leave right now. Doesn't matter, Shabbat, Shabbat, not Shabbat. Right now, your life is in danger. You have to leave right now. He listened. It wasn't easy for him to listen. <laughs> but just having the Rebbe's vision to him, <laughs> Rebbe sees what's going on with the Ruach HaKosh that God gave, gives Sadiqim. He, he left, and thank God, he, uh, he passed away already. But he has children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, all keeping the Torah. But at that moment, he could have all lost it. So that's the meaning of God saying this, this donkey to speak. And the angel, the point is God's mercy was, so to speak, um, held back, repressed. Then God says, this guy's going to kill himself. What's he doing? And God, and God sends an angel. God sends angels and talking donkeys to all of us also. God sends all the signs in our lives when we're going in the wrong direction. And we have to, we have to pay attention to the signs that God sends us and, and not, not to get lost. That's, but what gives you that perspective? It gives you a perspective to where you start off your day. Moda'ani. How you look at the world. Is it a sign from God that God's telling you to do something or does it happen to be that way? It's your foundation. It's, it's, it's something which is very deep within you. How you define the things that you see. That's the first message of the talking, talking donkey. Before you tell me, very quickly, the second message like this. The second message is, oh, second message is, what was the way that Bilaam was going to, going to destroy the Jewish people? He was going to use his mouth. He was going to curse the Jewish people. Very Unfortunately, when we have a talent, we can get this foolish idea to think that our talent is our own. We got these talents by ourselves. And we're able to do stuff. So if God was giving a message to Bilaam, you should realize that you think you have a power, you think you have any ability, you have to realize whatever is happening in your life is all because of God's hand, God, God giving you a talent. Talent, something very unique. You have, you have ten children in the same family, and one child's an artist, and one child's a writer, and one child's an actor. They're all, you could have even twins, twin twins. But your talents that you have are, is the moment that God thought about you specifically. Your specific gift, what you're able to do. You have your whole family, of, and yet God said, I want to give you one specific thing. Moses also had the gift of prophecy. But Moses was the most humble person in the world. Why? Because Moses realized where his gifts came from. He said, it's not mine. God gave it to me. Bilaam, on the other hand, he was arrogant with the gift that God gave him. And therefore, God, in order to show him that these gifts, you, when you, you think you have a gift, we could transfer over this, we could transfer the gift to, to the donkey. It's nothing to do with you. So, bottom line is, what are we taking home from today? Bottom line is like this. Huh? Don't be, don't be Bilaam. Bottom line is, Hashem gives us signs. I tell you, I, I think I told you the story. Okay, I won't tell you the story again. I told you, I told Sasha, let him go. He doesn't like my stories either. What I try and tell you is that Hashem guides us all the time. We have to pay attention to Hashem's guidance. If we look for it, if we look for Hashem's guidance, we'll see it. If, not, if you don't want to find it, you're not going to find it. If you look for it, Hashem will, will, will show you what direction you need to go. And number two, always realize Hashem gives you gifts. They have a purpose. Don't use them for the purpose that you, you're given. They, 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 they Hashem can... Uh, not used the right way. But when I get to the Geula, when I get to Mashiach, you got to realize, wake up in the morning, don't answer phone calls before davening or, or during a Torah class. L'chaim, l'chaim, Mashiach now. L'chaim, l'chaim.